Hello everyone, this is Daniel Dollinger and this is the Engineering Success Podcast. I'm trying out a slightly new format relative to the traditional video that I started before in order to hit on a larger and wider range of topics than I was able to cover in the old video format. So I hope that you enjoy this format and that you like it. I'm happy to hear any feedback that anybody has uh, via email at I don't know what my email address is, actually. Let's find out. <laughs> uh, if you have any questions for the podcast, it's engring.success at gmail.com. Engring.success at gmail.com. Now, as I was drafting this podcast, I, I couldn't believe that it had been basically a year since I made my last engineering success video. And it's, it's crazy how you, you basically think that you have this thing planned and you and you think that everything's going to go exactly the way it's planned. And then uh, something like a global pandemic hits and then basically your work-life balance gets shot for a little bit and, uh, and then you move and then you add two dogs to your life and then you get engaged and the next thing you know it, you, you didn't have any time to make any videos. But here I am, I'm finally settled into this this new space, so I hope that this is just the beginning of a great journey for me and a great journey for you as I am trying to be an asset to others. The other thing I really like about the podcast format is that it's uh, pretty casual. So you might have just heard my cat it's in the background <laughs> discovering my green screen and uh, me out a minute ago, but um, I think that it's going to be a great, a great opportunity for all of us. So what is the goal of this podcast? Well, the goal of this is for me to share general career development advice or ways that you can work on your own career development, answer some career and college advice questions. And also, I'd like to gather knowledge from individuals who have had much more successful careers than my career that has just started. And what I I hope to do is to bring on a couple guests. Uh, I don't have any for this first podcast, but bring on a couple guests and, and ask First of all, go, go over where they are now in their career, how they got there, what journey they took to get there, and then, and also just explore any of the critical decisions that they made to help them get to that point and uh, what balance they had, et cetera, et cetera. So I have a list of questions that I have for my future guests, and I, I look forward to having the first one, hopefully in the next podcast. So today we're going to be hitting on two topics. The first of which is one way that I have changed the way that I speak and one way that you can change the way you speak. And the second one is I'm going to go through some answers to two career advice questions that I've pulled off of Reddit. So the first one, the the one way that you can change your speak, this is, again, we're going into the, this is one of the ways I'd like to share how you can develop yourself, how I've been developing myself. And the topic of today is Toastmasters. So whenever I first heard of the word Toastmasters, I was thinking, all right, uh, I I don't burn my toast. Okay, that's not really a, a valid joke there. But what is Toastmasters? Well, if you're somebody that's nervous about speaking, uh, you dread going whenever it's your turn to talk at a department meeting you dread those if you're in college you dread those assignments if you're in high school you're getting ready for college you dread that college interview you dread that 
group presentation that you have where you inevitably uh, one person in your group didn't do anything because that's just how high school projects work uh, then then toastmasters might be for you so what toastmasters is it's an international organization that's designed to help people improve their public speaking skills build their leadership skills and just in general experience growth in their communication and career development now the way that toastmasters works and 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 the nice thing about it is it's, it's completely free for you to visit a club and uh, i'm actually a member of a club myself uh, most clubs right now are meeting virtually and uh, the way that it works is there's a basically a formal structure to the meeting there's uh, if, if you're familiar if you did debate in high school or if you're in a another club that operates on parliamentary procedure it's very formal but different clubs have different takes on how casually they do it but now in the in the uh, virtual space again it's a it's a pretty low barrier of entry for people that that are interested in it and again it's free to visit clubs most of the clubs have about 10 to 20 members and they meet my club meets once every other week well actually we meet the first the third and the fifth which is rare thursday of a month so we usually meet twice sometimes three times a month and we have about eight members nine members in our club and most clubs fall in that space eight to twenty members so here's some spit facts on toastmasters toastmasters dates back to 1905 yeah that is old dates back to 1905 in bloomington illinois and the name toastmasters was describing a toastmaster and that was a common term for someone who made toasts at banquets and other occasions of the time frame. So imagine uh, a gala or a fundraising event. I don't get to go to galas, um, but if you do get to go to galas, then good for you. Uh, you probably have a lot more money than me, or, or you're much more involved in uh, charitable organizations than I have had the opportunity to be involved in so far. But... Uh, again, Toastmasters are people that give speaks, sorry, speeches, and that was really common back in 1905. It is a non-profit organization, and well, it's also international. I guess I the name Toastmasters International is the name. So whenever you think of how many members there are in Toastmasters, about 364,000 members is what I have in my notes here across 140 countries again international and there's over 16,000 clubs the mission of Toastmasters is to empower individuals to become more effective communicators and leaders so again that's what I hit on earlier whenever I first introduced it that's their international mission and at the club level the goal of a Toastmasters club is to provide a supportive and positive learning experience in which members are empowered to develop their communication skills and their leadership skills and hopefully have a greater self-confidence in their ability to do those things and experience personal growth. Their core values are integrity, respect, service, and excellence. So. So now that I've given you a quick overview on Toastmasters and hit a little bit on why you should join, how can you benefit from Toastmasters? Well, the Toastmasters curriculum has 11 different pathways. So 
as you're a member of Toastmasters, you're going to be giving speeches. You're not going to be giving a speech every single meeting unless you're really, really enthusiastic about it or if you have a club that's making you do that. But I usually speak once every three or four meetings at my club. It's a formal speech with a formal time limit, either four to six minutes, five to seven minutes, eight to ten minutes. And your speeches are, can be on a wide range, range of topics. But the nice thing about Toastmasters is that they do have a curriculum and a guideline for you to at least have a framework of, of what types of things to speak about. And that just depends on what your personal goal is and what you're trying to get out of Toastmasters. So there's 11 pathways, uh, 11 different curriculums. One of them is called, they're all, I'll just go through them all. The first one's called Dynamic Leadership. The second one's called Effective Coaching. There's one about humor, engaging humor. Innovative planning, leadership development, motivational strategies, persuasive influence, presentation mastery, strategic relationships, team collaboration, and visionary communication. Those are the 11 pathways that they currently have, and there were 10 before there were 11, so I imagine that they will continue to add more. Personally, my career goals align with Going into people management, so the two paths that I have lined up, the one I'm currently working on is called strategic relationships, and then the one I will take on after that is called persuasive influence. So again, those are a series of, I'm halfway through my first path and I've given five speeches, four or five speeches, and What's really nice about Toastmasters and what I've gotten out of it is that it's been a really nice place for me to grow where the stakes are low. Uh, Toastmasters is a, a great place for you to experiment and, and, and try new things and, and try to develop yourself without the consequences of failing in your work life or in your personal life. Uh, I've found that Toastmasters has been a really positive experience for me. My club members have done a really good job of being super encouraging, super kind, super motivational, super enthusiastic, and every single person in a meeting at any given time that I want to speak is there wanting me to do good. They want me to give a good speech. And that and just being in that environment is just a, such a great environment to practice speaking in. And I can assure you that it has transferred into my personal life and into my work life. One other really cool thing about Toastmasters is that the meetings are structured with the parliamentary procedure and they're also structured in roles that different people have during Toastmasters meetings. For example, there's a person in the meeting called an counter, and their job is to identify crutch words that people use like like, um, so, or any long pauses that people do that use, they use as filler words to kind of fill space, but in reality they're distracting and can take away from your legitimacy or your, your ability to communicate to other people and your credibility that other people have when listening to you. So as you notice, I'm working on that whenever I'm giving this podcast. I'm trying my best not to use those filler words. And it's one of those things that I even notice whenever other people start using them. Another thing that I find really valuable, valuable about Toastmasters is whenever you're giving these speeches, there's a dedicated evaluator that's assigned to your speech. And their job is to, first of all, build you up by 
catching the things that you're doing well, things that you're improving upon since the last time you spoke, and then also then giving you advice on ways that you can improve your speech. Uh, if you give it again, there's my crutch word, ding. We, uh, but again, the ways you can improve your speech, ways that you can improve your speaking, uh, improve your presence whenever you're giving speeches. So a lot of really good design to the meetings designed for people to improve their speaking and i've gotten a lot out of it and i i really encourage if you're looking for a way to to grow into leadership there's different each club has leadership roles where you're involved in the you you have a stake in the club and the development of others in the club and beyond the leadership growth again there's a lot of opportunities for you to grow your ability as a speaker and again i have found that i've gotten a lot of confidence from my time in Toastmasters. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to go into career advice. So right now, obviously, there's no listener base to write in career advice questions. But if you do listen to this podcast and you do have questions, the best way to write in those questions is by email to ring dot success at gmail.com and I will do my best to provide an answer to your question. This first question is pulled off of Reddit. It's about a 4550 line wall of text. So thankfully they have given me a TLDR which I'm going to read out and then I'm going to respond to. TLDR I have a 2.8 GPA this person's in high school And I'm going to take the ACT for the first time two weeks from now. I won't do well on it. (laughs) Good confidence right there. So let's assume I get a 20. I want to get a MBA in chemical engineering. I'll get back to that. How will it ever be possible to get a degree like this? Spoiler alert, that degree does not exist. If all the colleges that give courses on it reject me, I've been accepted to Roan State Community College. Roan State does not have any engineering degrees besides transfer pathways, so I've applied to University of Tennessee and Tennessee Tech. I will likely be rejected with my 2.8 GPA and my 20 ACT score. Money won't be the issue at hand, as I believe I can cover that with my father's GI Bill for serving 20 years in the military. But the real problem is, how do you go to schools with actual degree capabilities when I have such low scores? Are my screw-ups in high school an unchangeable obstacle that will prevent me from pursuing my desired degree? So another summary, they missed a couple things from their main wall of text that I read. Basically, they are not a very good high school student. They don't have very good grades, obviously, from the 2.8 GPA, but they are being encouraged by family members that are engineers, one of which who has an MBA and is a chemical engineer. Now, for those of you that don't know this, an MBA is a Master's in Business Administration degree. So the person who has an MBA and is a chemical engineer likely has a chemical engineering degree and then also a Master's in Business Administration, which is different. Usually a chemical engineering degree is a BS, and if you get a Master's, it's called an MS. But again, this person is basically wondering if the the failures that they had in high school are going to prevent them from being able to be successful in college. So my first take on this is that I think that community college is actually a great option for you, especially because you have a low GPA in high school. 
And you've also indicated in your wall of text that I haven't reiterated that you don't really care too much about school. The reality is, is that engineering is exceptionally difficult. It's a rigorous major. It's going to require a lot of dedication and a lot of perseverance in academics. This is something that is consistent across every university that offers a, an ABET accredited engineering program, which you should not attend a university that doesn't have an ABET accredited engineering program if you can attend one that does, because ABET, attending an ABET accredited university will make your degree ex extremely more credible and also provide a much easier route for you to becoming a professional engineer. But anyways, going back to the question, community college would be a really good fit for you because first off, it would allow you to have a low financial investment. I know you said that money isn't an issue, but you're talking about other people's money. But it would allow you to have a, a smaller financial investment in seeing whether or not college is for you. And you'll find that if you do, if you are able to commit to college as a college student in community college, then that may transfer to whenever you decide to eventually transfer to a university that offers a full engineering program. Also, you also have the habits that you develop as you become a hopefully better student in community college that will also transfer to whenever you decide to transfer into a full engineering program. The other thing is, is that you have already said it. You don't think that you realistically have a chance to get into one of the state schools that offer a full engineering program. And even if you get into the school, then some universities also have requirements for you to get into the College of Engineering itself. So another thing that attending community college can do for you is you can basically start with a completely new slate. If you buckle down and you have good grades in community college and you have a transcript to show for it, you can take that transcript and you can put that into your application whenever you try to transfer to one of the state schools near you. And that basically kind of overrides, not completely, but overrides to an extent your resume that you had in high school and you'll have a much greater chance of getting into the school of your choice and even maybe even a higher reach school than the schools that you've listed though university of tennessee and tennessee tech i imagine are great schools i know about university of tennessee i don't know too much about tennessee tech but i know they're definitely great schools if they're offering full engineering programs so again my main advice to you is go ahead attend the community college, see if college is for you, and then th that will also transfer well for you whenever you try to transfer, because if you see that college is for you and you're able to have a great GPA in community college, again, you have to focus and develop these good habits, but if the result of you focusing and developing these good habits is a good GPA in community college, then you'll then be able to get in to the state college and then maybe even if your father allows you to use it, use his GI Bill for your education. So anyways, I wish you the best of luck. Again, develop those good habits. What you do in high school is not completely an uncha not a completely unchangeable obstacle for you. And that's for all the listeners. High school, what you do in high school is not something that can prevent you from being successful at all. But 
the reality is is that focusing in high school and focusing on your grades can set you up for success and can put you at least give you at least a more direct path to your goals but you don't get to get through an engineering program with bad work ethic you don't get through an engineering program if you didn't turn in your homework if you don't turn in your homework so start those habits now turn in your work on time when you're in high school and then transfer that whenever you go into college take those good habits with you and and grow and develop even further and then ideally you'll then graduate with your engineering degree so again i wish you the best of luck all right here's the second question the title for this question is how long did it take you to not feel stupid at work and i i saw the title of this question and i was like man this is the perfect question for me so i'm i'm, I'm going to read the whole question and then i'm going to give my answer here's the question i am currently i hope this is allowed i am currently working as a tech but i am educated as an engineer relevant because i don't have anyone to go to for help or guidance my boss told me i'm the lead I'm the only one working on this. So any and all choices are mine. I am a perfectionist. I'm designing something for use at work and I'm feeling very stupid because I found a simpler design online that's much easier than what I've come up with. I spent all morning today learning about the finer details of the components I wanted and trying to come up with a cohesive design. So finding an easy design was like a fish to the face. Wow. Doesn't help that I fried both of the ICs and had to order more. ICs. What is an IC? What is an IC engineering? Oh, integrated circuit. I'm stupid. I took a class. Okay, so I fried both of the integrated circuits and have to order more. Is this normal? I'm learning a lot. And because I don't have any guidance, it's harder. But man, this is taking me a long time. And then they, they got a lot of response on this Reddit post. So it blew up for them. And they got some awards. So good for you. Interesting. Oh, that was a <laughs> Fox alert. Anyways, so for me... The first time I felt like I truly knew what I was doing at work was about three months into my job. And then I quickly realized <laughs> that once I realized that I thought that I knew what I was doing, I, I was quickly humbled. And then I qu very quickly realized that I didn't know what I was doing not too long after that. Then I got to about six months into my job and I thought that I was competent enough to deserve a promotion. And I very quickly realized then that I basically got I, I, the, the nature of my job is there's plenty of opportunities to be humbled and plenty of opportunities to realize that you don't know everything and you don't know where everything is and how to do everything. So six months in, I still very regularly felt pretty stupid at work. A year in. I'd have to say is the same thing. Again, confidence is growing, but it's one of those things that the more you know, the more you know that you don't know. But here I am sitting uh, just about a year and eight months, 
10 months approaching two years into the job and i can honestly say that i feel like i am competent at my job and that i have at least mastered the the general skills of my job as an engineering proposal coordinator to the extent that i am i'm ready to advance to the next level within my within my path and it wasn't a thing that I personally really, I guess, I don't know. I, it's not one of those things where I, like, I got to this moment, this individual moment, and I was like, okay, now I, I'm competent. But but at this point, I feel like I've gotten to the point where I, I pretty much can do anything. But even that being said, I still have those moments here and there where I feel stupid and I miss something. And so I think that, I think it's very normal for you to feel stupid at work. Uh, we all have those brain dead moments and, and we miss these things. And, and the reality is, is that we're not perfect. You know, we're not, even, even if we know something, we're not going to immediately jump to the right solution. And, and for me, that makes me feel stupid every once in a while. But I think that the, the beautiful thing about learning is that, that we're consistently learning and we're consistently growing, at least if, as long as you're not stagnant in your job, um, you're, or you're consistently learning. So you're always going to have those little moments here and there where you feel stupid. You feel like, oh man, I should have known that. I should have been able to find that. But that's a good thing. I feel like personally, if you have those moments throughout your entire career, throughout your entire time working in your job, then that means that you are growing and you're not stagnant. So I think that it's perfectly normal for you to feel stupid every once in a while at work and feel like, oh man, I didn't immediately have the right solution or there's a better solution out there because that just means that you're in a good place for you to grow. So that's my response to that question. So with that being said, those are my two questions and that's Toastmasters for you guys. So again, that's the that's gonna kind of, I guess, be the wrap of this first engineering success podcast but i look forward to potentially bringing on a guest for next week's podcast more details come on that and again if you have any questions just email me at engring.success at gmail.com engring.success at gmail.com this has been Daniel, and this has been the Engineering Success Podcast. Thank you. My thoughts get complicated. I cannot explain in lameness. Never losing focus because I ain't chasing payments. Still playing in the basin while I'm working on arrangements. They heard the kid in 50 countries. Thank God that's amazing. But I'd rather think Spotify. They put me on the station.